Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 97 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks for supporting the show. Now, I just want to say a quick congratulations to everybody that took part on the Cycling Ireland National Downhill Championships in Ross Trevor, County Down, at the weekend past there. Um, the day looked amazing, so congratulations to everybody that took part and to all the volunteers and the organisers that made it happen. It seemed like a great, great event and uh, everybody seemed to have a blast. There was a few offs, I know, but um, there always is at these things, isn't there? But well done, everybody. Um, I'm sorry I missed it and uh, it it looked great. So on to today's show and today we're chatting to Matt Hartel. He's the founder and owner of Epic Pisgah Mountain Bike Adventures. Now, Matt was originally on the show back in episode 91, so not that long ago. Um, We were chatting about his first adventure company called Old Town Outfitters, based in Guatemala. We chat about why Matt wanted to start a mountain bike adventure company, and in Guatemala of all places. So it's um, it's a very interesting story, and Matt has worked hard uh, to make things work there for so long, because he's been going down there for 20 years now, so he's obviously doing something well. So after we recorded that episode, we got chatting about his new venture in North Carolina, and um, how he has been working on getting this set up, and how excited he was about finally getting this new project started. So after chatting with Matt about what the trail network was like in Pisgah, North Carolina, I had to get him back on the show. It just sounded amazing and was definitely another location to put on that old bucket list. So we chat to Matt about why he decided on Pisgah, what his company can offer you as a rider, and um, there's a lot of stuff he's offering riders. It's pretty amazing. What to expect from the trail networks, how to book your trip, what the local scene is like, and why you will have the ride of your life. So buckle in, get the headphones on, or whatever way you listen to the show, and um, have a listen. It's a great, great spot. I've heard of Pisca before. I've definitely heard of it, but it's not at the same levels of you know, Colorado or Utah or Whistler, anything like that. So it was very interesting to get them on, have a chat, and the trails do do sound amazing. So thanks for tuning in, folks, and all I've got to do is welcome Matt to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi Matt, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. It's good to have you back on, mate. How's things in North Carolina? Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome, sir. You're more than welcome. Now, the last time you were on uh, was episode 91 and we were chatting about your Guatemalan adventure company there. So you, you run a company there called Old Town Outfitters and it's it's a, a guided business around Guatemala and all the very, very awesome sounding trails you have there. That's right. <laughs> um, and you guys can be found at adventureguatemala.com. Now, you have another website that was being built at the time. Is that finished, Matt, or is that... It's getting its last its last tweaks put on it, and we're it's still non It's published, but it's still hidden at the moment. It's bikeguatemala.com, and it's, it's on the way out. It should be finished in the next little bit. We should make sure it's nice and polished before we get it out there, but... You know, kind of all the same pertinent info is on the AdventureGuatemala.com site. We just wanted to have a slightly more cycling-specific site. Um, so, you know, that was the idea of the Bike Guatemala site. And it's, you know, it should be up very shortly. 
Yeah, happy days, happy days. No, but you have a social link to that. We do. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's a okay. Bike Guatemala Instagram feed. Uh, not yet uh, Facebook feed. We just, you know, I figured that the Instagram is a little bit more powerful. But you know, the Facebook fan page will be up soon as well. Once yeah. the page goes live, we'll we'll come out with that. But I've been, I've been kind of chumming the waters, so to speak, with the uh, Bike Guatemala Instagram handle, and that's a good one. It keeps folks up to date with what we're doing. And, Mm-hmm. Kind of gives folks a sneak peek at you know the trails and trying to get people's juices flowing. Yeah. So the last time I chatted to you, you were in North Carolina as well. So how long have you been away from Guatemala then? Uh, currently here in North Carolina at the moment, we're working uh, kind of an angle to, to get an, another business off the ground here, doing some mountain bike touring. So we're splitting time between Western North Carolina and Guatemala. I actually headed down to Guatemala on Tuesday to spend a bit of time down there, get back on two wheels, you know, in, in Guatemala and, and get with the folks there. And we get our busy tour season, getting ready to crank up. Summer's always busy, busy for us. Uh, mm-hmm. And then as well, kind of into the fall, November through Christmas is a really busy time down there. So we want to get down there, get back in touch, get in, get in and get on the wheels and, and tweak all our itineraries and make sure everything's taken care of and just kind of be down there and, Trying to live the dream of you know two fantastic riding spots and and being able to travel between the two sounds amazing. Um, sounds like you are living the dream. You were saying earlier there you're you're just living the dream. So it's, sounds yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty good. I mean, any day when you can uh, literally roll out from the back door in one of two different countries and be on you know some pretty epic world class mountain bike trail is uh, is a pretty good deal. So. Yeah, you know, we love both spots. We got a lot of time and energy and and love for Guatemala. And uh, my wife and I are both from the southeast United States, and and there's fantastic riding here. And I kind of spent this is where I kind of fell in love with mountain biking to begin with. So it means a lot to kind of come back to that and, mm-hmm. and and be here. And it's such a vibrant scene here, and, and the riding is so good. It just seems to make sense. Yeah, no, totally sounds it sounds it. And we'll get into that because you have some exciting news. You've been building. A guiding business there in North Carolina, and uh, we'll chat about that and see see what you guys have to offer there. But um, so, I want to chat a wee bit just about your upbringing in North Carolina, how you get into mountain bikes, and uh, how all that thing started. So, can you can you tell me what your youth was like growing up there? Yeah, you know, as a really young age, we were pushed outside and you know told to not come back until the the bells rang and be outside as much as possible. We kind of grew up on two wheels, BMX bikes as soon as we could ride. And, you know, the family raced BMX bikes at the, at the local BMX park in town. And, uh, and then as soon as we outgrew those, you know, we were on to like 10 speeds cruising around. And then sometime in the late eighties, very early nineties, we were on a ski trip out to Colorado. I think we were in Breckenridge and I saw my very first specialized stump jumper in the outdoor store window and drooled all over it. <laughs> uh at the very young age like i was probably yeah i was probably nine or, or ten or something and and at that point uh my brother had gone out west and spent a summer living in, in jackson hole and he'd come back with a, a mountain bike and that was the first time i really got to hold on to one and uh, under penalty of being stricken by my brother i was told not to touch the bike but i made sure i snuck it out when he went around and went around you know riding around on it and had a good time and and ever since then, it was all, you know, it was all about getting on mountain bikes and saving money from our first bike. And, uh, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot happening where I grew up a little bit east of the mountains in North Carolina and Charlotte. 
it's kind of out in the Piedmont, kind of the rolling hills. You know, there's some riding there, but certainly at that time, there was nothing really super developed. Uh, yeah, but we got on bike, bikes anyway and found what little trail there was. And, and as the scene continued to develop, we continued to, to travel and, and search out new riding spots and, and make sure we found the good stuff. Mm, mm. and like had you any friends or anything biking at that time that you were at school with yeah you know at that time you know by the time i got my first mountain bike would have been early high school days um you know i was probably 14 or 13 and they were definitely a kind of a couple guys that either lived in the neighborhood or you know that were friends of mine we we all got mountain bikes kind of at the same time and then as we we're able to drive and got our, our licenses. We're able to, to travel a little further afield, and, and and it slowly, you know, I think in my high school there were you know four or five, you know, good friends of mine who had mountain bikes, and we just you know started to build our own little little club of riders, and we'd go out and and explore the trails in the woods near home, and and get out to the mountains whenever we could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because. I think when there's not a, a massive scene happening in certain areas, like how did you go about finding trails? Did you build trails yourselves or was there established walking trails? How did that work? Yeah, there were no, we didn't do any trail building at that time. We had friends and there were some woods nearby and there were, you know, maybe some, some animal track trails through there. And, and there were definitely some walking paths. Uh, there were one or two, parks in the kind of inner city limit that were starting as mountain biking was just kind of starting that it had embraced some trails and they had built a little bit of trail um and so we would frequent those places and then you know as kind of the sport picked up there became more recreation options and more trail options but the real riding was you know a couple hours west of us um towards the mountains so again as soon as we were able to drive bikes got put in the car you know camping gear for the weekend and we would come up to western north carolina where i am now as often as we possibly could to ride mm-hmm. yeah and was there a race scene anything like that going on or you know not when i first got my when i got my first mountain bike but certainly as kind of the you know the, the mid 90s rolled through there was a pretty decent kind of the old school cross-country race scene mm-hmm. uh through the mid 90s and and yeah and that's certainly evolved and evolved and yeah there's a super vibrant race scene currently now both road and mountain kind of all over the state uh western north carolina is kind of the crown jewel of that where you know we have just endless seemingly endless miles of of national forest and and beautiful trails and and a couple really big race promoters putting on some really great stuff here locally Mm, sounds good sounds good can you remember what that first bike was oh yeah it was it was in the manitoba it was 26 inch, probably a boy, a three by eight, maybe a 24 speed, you know, canny levered, fully rigid toe clips. Uh, it was certainly nothing to write home about, but it was, you know, I, that was scraping together the 400 or so dollars to buy that bike. That was everything I had and certainly didn't really know anything about bikes. It just, you know, had knobby tires and looked cool, you know, in the store window and I could afford it. And so that became my first bike. And, Interestingly enough, that bike uh, has kind of made the rounds. My brother took that bike to Guatemala in the mid-90s. I want to say it was probably 96. He was doing a, a, an internship and a study abroad. Took my bike down there, ran out of money, had to sell the bike to get money for a plane flight home. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think I gave him permission to take that bike, and I certainly didn't give him permission to sell it. Luckily, 
he sold it to somebody I know. And so that bike is still down in Guatemala. It's, you know, the guy who's kind of a neighbor of mine still owns it. So every now and again, we go out for beers. I, you know, I poke him a little bit to try to get that piece of uh, my own personal memorabilia back. Yeah. How crazy is that, that you actually, it's a neighbor of? <laughs> yeah. Not... I mean, it's, yeah, it's crazy. You know, it was, of all people, you know, it was a guy that he knew and he was needed to get back home, start back the springs or the fall semester of school and needed some cash, sold my bike. And then he came back and I think he probably told me some kind of t- you know tall tale that it had been stolen or something. So that I couldn't really lean on him too hard. Uh-huh. Had it just been that he had, uh, you know, had too good a time and run out of money and, and sold it. That I would have definitely asked for the cash back. <laughs> classic, classic. So, can you remember what the the bike stores were like back then? Because I think it's always very interesting. What comes first, you know, the trails, the mountain bikers, or the bike stores? You yeah, know, you know, things. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, it seems like they must have all, kind of all, on some level, happened at the same time. Because you certainly a hard sell to sell someone on a mountain bike if there's nowhere to ride it. So again, we were young and, and didn't really know a whole lot about the scene. You know, we were just ginned up these cool bikes route. They weren't these old rickety 10 speeds or, you know, I love BMX bikes, but it seemed like mountain bikes were kind of the, the future. And so there were definitely some trails around. There were a couple, maybe two or three uh, bike stores in our kind of local area. And they were, you know, again, they didn't have a whole lot of inventory. There was certainly no flashy bikes in there, but you know, they were they were there and they were ready to be ridden. And so, I think it kind of all started a little bit at the same time. And it, obviously, I think it started kind of west and came east. Mm-hmm. You know, we're out in Colorado and in the Rockies and Utah and that sort of thing. There were a lot more access to to national forest land and BLM land, and, and trails were everywhere. And albeit none of those were mountain bike specific trails. Uh, but they were trail and there was no user conflicts. And so mountain biking really kind of, you know, obviously started in California and came across. And by the time it hit, you know, North Carolina, I think folks realized what was happening there. And there were people getting excited about riding mountain bikes here. And, you know, we, we knew that this, the western part of the state was super mountainous and very similar to some of those mountain states out west where we have a – we may not have the total elevation, but we've got very large area mm-hmm. and a lot mm-hmm. of trail. Yeah. So tell us a wee bit about the landscape there, Matt, and what it's like. Because North Carolina lies below Philly, is it below uh, Atlanta? It's around Atlanta. Yeah, it's kind of uh, north and east of Atlanta. So North Carolina sits directly above South Carolina. It's below Virginia, has Tennessee to the east. Uh, Georgia's kind of to the southwest a little bit. Uh, and this whole region of kind of Western North Carolina, the very kind of upstate of what they call the upstate of South Carolina, parts of North Georgia and Eastern Tennessee are super mountainous. You know, some of the oldest mountains in the world, actually, the Smokies and the Appalachians. Uh, you know, there's various uh, national forests that kind of en- encompass all of this area. And the national forest exactly where we are is called Pisgah. Um, and that's the national forest that butts up right to the town that we're in Brevard. Uh, but the area is, you know, it's rocky, craggy, uh, beautiful kind of exposed rock slab, uh, lots of water. You know, they call Brevan, uh, they call it Brevard, the land of waterfalls. And there's a lot mm. of creeks and good world-class paddling, world-class climbing, world-class mountain biking. Um, you know, the, the hills, we don't get the elevation 
profile relief that you, know, you might get in some of these larger kind of mountain states, you know, again, like Colorado or Washington or somewhere else, California. Mm-hmm. But we've got a lot of hills here and a lot of, you know, really old mountains that are a little more rounded because they've been eroded over, over millennia and they've, you know, they've been around forever. And, and there's a, a ton of trail that kind of whittle their way through, through the mountains. Mm-hmm. And I, I was doing a little bit of research into it, and you have got, I'm not even sure if you call them trail centers there where you're at, but you've got the likes of DuPont State Forest, yep. uh, Kerr, Scott Trail, Warrior Creek, mm-hmm. uh, Bent Creek, all those areas. Um, yep. So do they have to be a designated riding spot there, or can you just go and ride anywhere? Oh, you can go and ride anywhere. So DuPont is a state forest. It was actually a really cool story. It was the DuPont textile uh, oh, manufacturing. Right. Was it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. so those same, guys. Same yep, so those guys owned a huge swath of land uh, in western North Carolina. They had a textile plant there. And sometime in the l- mid to late 90s, you know, by, certainly by 98 it was happening, but, you know, kind of, you know, 96, 97, 98, I don't have the exact, you know, detail on that. But uh, they gave that property over to the state and the state took over their huge holding and there are already a number of <clears throat> jeep trails and there's a bunch of lakes and ponds and uh there was some hiking trail that the textile manufacturing company had put there for their employees to utilize um <clears throat> and then as you know trail building became more viable and and certainly more mainstream. And there's a, any number of trail building companies locally here. Trail started, even more trail started getting developed in there. And there's probably 50 miles of, of some purpose-built stuff, a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of old stuff that was there, but it's equestrian hiking and biking trail. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a trail center. It's just a state forest that you're able to go to right. uh, that has, you know, various trailheads and, and, you know, a huge network of trail. Um, Bent Creek, same thing. It's kind of a... It's a another state forest type uh, holding that's just outside of Asheville, and it's kind of the, some of the closest riding to that to that town. And again, it's got you know any number of uh, miles of trail there, and these are just kind of state run forests that are there. Um, Warrior Creek is a is a dammed reservoir that the, one of the local power companies has dammed up to turn hydro, and there's a bunch of trail there as well. They do a six hour race. Uh, the six hours of warrior Creek mm-hmm. is at Kerscott and that's a pretty cool place. Um, you know, and that's all really close by. And then you've got a little bit further kind of East us, a little North and East, like around, uh, Boone and Banner Elk up there along the Blue Ridge Parkway. There's, you know, other areas to ride. And then immediately kind of around where we are, uh, Pisgah is just literally, I'm looking out my back window and I'm looking up into the, into the woods. There are, you know, over 150 miles of legal mountain bike trails and then any number of hiking only or, you know, horseback only trails that are out there. Um, but, you know, there's no trail center or specific, you know, way to, to, to link that stuff together. There's various access points to the forest and you can park your car and there's, you know, no kind of fee station or anything like that. But you just kind of kind of have to know where you're going and, and you know, get a good map or, or download an app or something like that and kind of get out and get after it. But yeah, there's, you know, any number of trail here and you know, they're not trail centers, so to speak, and they're all mm-hmm. public use areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and there are some mountain bike parks and stuff like that that are smaller and fee-based and that sort of thing. But, but really it's just, you know, a ton of open space with a lot of really like-minded people, uh, a lot of protection going on here, a lot of conservation, a lot of trail, 
mm-hmm. a lot of trail advocacy, a lot of big groups that, that do a lot of work here, um, and just kind of trying to keep trails open and, uh, you know, as, as national forest and park service budgets get whittled down, uh, it gets harder and harder for the, the, the government and, and the forest service to maintain trails. You get a lot of people getting out there and putting trail clubs together and that sort of thing. So it's, it's been really good. Yeah. Like it sounds very, very similar to here. So I would say that your trails are funded just by your local state taxes. Is that how they get funded? Well, they get funded. I mean, yeah, the trails themselves are all part of the National Forest Service catalog. Mm-hmm. They have an inventory. You know, it's all on. Well, the trails that are on their land are are technically under their domain. Uh, so it would be up to them, you know, to 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 maintain and that sort of thing. Now, you know, I think a lot of people realize that if you had to wait on on the National Forest Service to, to do any work on those trails, they probably don't have the expertise and the and and the equipment and know how. Anyway, a lot of that gets farmed out to to, you know, private or bike clubs, that sort of thing. There's a really big, um, Sorba is the, the Southern off-road mountain bike association. Those guys are really big, uh, mm-hmm. and, and getting funds, getting access to funds, uh, and then, you know, put bidding that stuff out to, to folks who can get the work done and do the maintenance. And there's a lot of volunteer hours. They get, they get organized through various advocacy groups here locally to, to do most of the work. Yeah, because that's a massive, massive network of trails. Um, so yeah. you're obviously going to have to have some kind of volunteer thing set up to maintain those. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's how it works. Very similar to our setup, you know, um, where you have trail centers and stuff. But it's your local kind of taxes that pay for them. And then the, the Forest Service, you know, is involved in that as well as your local council. And then they have kind of volunteer days where you go out and help maintain trails and and everything else and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's great. And it's, it's lovely to give something back like that. I actually enjoy doing that, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the scene like now where you're at compared to those early days? Oh man, yeah. In the early days, you'd come up here, and it, you know the, the trails were very poorly marked. It was hard to know where you were going. Uh, you know, none of the trails here were ever built with bikes in mind, so you kind of have to add your own flow around here. Um, you know, and it's it's in the early days again. You just kind of felt super wild and super rugged, and it still feels like that today. Although now there's a, a huge influx of of folks coming in and riding, and the, the town that we're in. Back in the early days, had one little bike shop in town, kind of right there at the mouth of the forest. And again, you know, would do their best to kind of inform you on where to go, but no one really knew totally what was going on here. And then as the scene has developed and developed, you know, there are three big professional bike shops here um, who are who are you know giving people trail info, and, and the trails are, are well marked, and there's people coming up. I mean, there's a steady line of folks coming to ride here the trails are so good they've kind of gotten gotten put back on the map in some ways i mean in the early Mm. days it was kind of pioneer status out here riding stuff and cataloging and and putting loops together uh and you know and ever since you know it's kind of 2005 forward or you know it's really started to develop people are definitely coming in it's definitely turned into a um a destination for folks to come and ride. We got some large metropolitan areas now that are somewhat nearby between Charlotte and Atlanta, uh, folks coming down from the North as well. So, you know, and just having so much trail 
hubbed out of such a small little town with you know great access has is, is really been a you know, a great thing for for the town and for the riding scene uh you know there's a bunch of races here now so yeah it's been it's been steadily growing for sure yeah sounds like it and do you have facilities around the trail you know would you have toilet facilities in the car parks or anything like that or do you have to go to some of the local towns to to get that kind of thing uh, you know, it depends on the parking lot. A lot of the parking lots are pretty undeveloped. You know, it's mm. again, you just kind of there. There are a couple larger maybe parking areas that access. You know, maybe some more popular destinations in the forest that have some some services. Uh, the town is really close by, uh, so if you you know, depending on where you're riding, you may have some of that stuff. But a lot of it, you know, a lot of the area you go to doesn't have a whole lot of, of built-up service around it, which is kind of cool. You know, you get there, and it really feels, you know, it doesn't feel like this big kind of built-out trail center. It feels more like, hey, I've just come to these mountains, and here I am. There's these, you know, little parking lots and in trailhead areas, and, and you park up and, and go for a ride. Mm-hmm. Um, DuPont is a little smaller, so easier for those guys to to do that, I want to say at DuPont, all the trailhead parking lots have at least a porta potty and that sort of thing in, in a map, map kiosk. Um, but, you know, if you get into Pisgah and you, and you go up to, you start driving up some of these old forest service roads where trailheads are, there's really not much up there. Mm-hmm. It sounds pretty awesome to be there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely kind of a, a locals, you know, because there's a, a bit of a lack of, you know, big kiosk or, you know, main parking area that spurs off with, you know, huge kiosk or bathroom area. I mean, there's a visitor center, there's a ranger station. So if you needed info, uh, you could go and, and, you know, and talk to those guys. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, you know, it's one of those places where you kind of have a buddy who's ridden there like, oh, you got to go ride this or go ride that. And you kind of try to figure it out on your own. But there's so much riding here. And I don't think people realize when they get here, you know, they, they're looking at it, it maybe ride profiles like, oh, you know, it's, 15 miles and you know 2,000 feet of climbing but then they get here and they realize that it's it's steep it's rocky it's rooty uh there are certain you know you got to ride trails in certain directions to kind of make them work and it's hard to figure out how to loop stuff and so it is one of those locals type places which is is cool too yeah so there's no kind of trail maps or anything like that printed to tell you where oh, to go or oh there are yeah there, right. there are any number of, of trail maps that are out there you know i think trails illustrated or whatever they have they've got one and there's a pisgah map country is another local or map company is another local trail map company um and they're good they've got everything on them you know there are some secret you know stealthy trails that are out there that you know maybe not don't show up so well on the map or whatever but um no, there there are some good maps, and it's you know definitely a good idea to carry one with you or have again an app on your phone in case you get lost that sort of thing. Yeah, cool. What's the level of the riders like there? Oh man, it's uh, you know the the folks who live here are all are all pretty good. <laughs> you know, we've got you know we got quite a few uh, professional riders that that call this area home. Nico Malali is one. He's a he's on the World Cup scene. Lucas Shaw as well. Chris Herndon was another big downhiller on the world cup scene who you know call call brevard home there's a, a carmichael training centers here a tr- uh, training system here in brevard yeah so you get you get a lot of really good riders here um the guy who calls or who has bikepacking.com if you ever follow that that guy's you know based out of here out of brevard uh so there's quite a few kind of you know high profile 
big professional riders that live here. And then just of the folks that, you know, I see on the trails and I ride with, you know, the trails are as such that it's pretty hard going and it's, you know, they're, they're, you know, three hour ride here is like a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's pretty tough. It's a big endeavor, you know, and there's mm-hmm. some big, big loops to be done. Uh, and I think the riding is technical enough and, and steep enough and, and hard enough that there are a lot of really great riders here. But then having said that, you know, there are people who come up and you get, folks of kind of all varying levels. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you, is it, is it suitable for beginners or, you know, could, could a beginner still go out there and ride those trails or. Yeah. You know, the beauty of where we are right here in Brevard with DuPont state forest being so close and Pisgah, you know, obviously right here and Bent Creek that they all three kind of have a different flavor. Um, yeah, DuPont just kind of, if I were to throw a blanket statement out there, is a little easier than Pisgah. It's not quite as steep. It's not quite as bumpy. It's not quite as rowdy. Um, and Pisgah, DuPont is a great place, you know, for more beginner riders to get out and, and get on some trail uh, and have a lot of success, have a lot of fun. And DuPont's even great, you know, you've been riding Pisgah for a couple of days and you've just been getting beaten up out there by the rocks <laughs> and the roots and you want something a little more tame it's a great change of pace, you know, and it's great. It's funner. It's faster. You, know, you can string a 20 mile ride together, you know, in under two hours there where, you know, stringing together a 20 mile ride and Pisgah is, you know, a three hour, four hour endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a, a slightly different beast and kind of Bent Creek kind of falls in there in the middle of between DuPont and, uh, in Pisgah in some ways, but, you know, even Pisgah, it's, you know, there's a ton of trail, but there's also just a myriad and a huge network of gravel. And so, you know, it becomes this space where you want to come in and, and some of the gravel, you know, isn't like a big gravel road. It's one of these really old forest service roads where the grades are pretty nice, but it feels almost like trail. So mm. some of these old gravel roads give, you know, more beginner, intermediate ride rider you know a great option and if the weather's not playing ball with it it's raining a lot you know the gravel becomes great ways to get miles in and explore you can really get far afield by you know doing some of these gravel miles Mm. yeah and that's awesome you know because it's kind of like ireland as well the trail centers and stuff but each trail center's a little different so it's really nice to be able to go somewhere different and maybe try and learn different skills that you need for that specific kind of trail. Um, yep. So that's really cool that that's the way it is with you. I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, in any number of stuff to ride, you come here, you know, we'll find something for you to ride, something that suits your, your style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a, a, definitely a little bit of everything. Yeah, that sounds cool. Sounds very cool. Um, do you see many lady riders when you're out there? What's the ladies scene like? Oh yeah, no, the ladies are rippers around here. There's <laughs> a there's there's a very vibrant uh, lady scene here in Western North Carolina between Asheville and Brevard and and beyond. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of really good, fast, super skilled uh, ladies riding out here, and that is so cool to see. And there's a yeah, you know, there are a couple lady-specific uh, mountain bike clinic groups and kind mm. of mountain bike festival groups that always make a stop in. Brevard's kind of on that, on that U.S. level, um, kind of countrywide level, you know, stop on the road kind of thing for like the ladies all ride. They come here various times a year where they'll do kind of a weekend mountain bike skills clinic for ladies and they'll get, a, you know, they, the organizers of the ladies all ride come, I, I believe they're from Oregon, but they always 
do a really good job of, of grabbing the local ladies here to be a lot of, to be their facilitators. There's a lot of ladies here who've gone through the professional mountain bike instructors courses, um, and who are guides and who get out there and who can, who can hang with the best of them. And, you know, Rome is another one of these women's, uh, specific mountain bike festivals and they come through Brevard at least once a year. If it's not twice, I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely happening here. Yeah, that's cool. Is that a recent thing or has that been going on for quite a while? Well, I think it's probably been going on for quite a while, but I think that, you know, these ladies are, they've kind of, I think with some bigger events like Rome and, and ladies all ride, it's, there's, you know, I think the ladies have clearly been riding for a while because they're really good. And I think they've kind of gotten together and there's a, a good network and it seems to be like a really wholesome network kind of across the U S and these girls, they all seem to know one another. Um, they get out and they ride and they, you know, and they spread the word and they spread the stoke and they get, you know, girls out there on bikes. And so I think it's been kind of a steady build, or at least it feels like that, but certainly in the past, you know, couple few years, it seems like it's really taken off. Mm. No, that's really interesting because you don't hear that response that often. So it's, it's good to know that it's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely happening here. It's uh, it's pretty vibrant. Cool. All right. So Matt, let's get into what you're planning to do there in North Carolina then and tell us your, tell us your exciting news. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're building out a website. It's, it's actually up now, but it's, you know, kind of, we're, we're still working on it a bit here and there, but it's called Epic Pisgah with the idea that the ride around here is just that, you know, there's a ton of it and it's great stuff. And so we're uh, doing, you know, half day, full day, and even multi-day mountain bike rides here in kind of the Western North Carolina area. And, you know, specifically Pisgah, we're based out of Brevard, which is a small little sleepy town of, you know, under 10,000 folks with, you know, really vibrant riding scene and, and access to really, really good trail. Um, so we're hubbed out of here. There's you know, any number of bike shops here that we can get rentals from and that sort of thing. But, yeah, we're guiding mountain bike trips. So trying to get folks to spread the word to, to come down and ride and, and see what's going on and, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak, because uh, the riding is just that good. Yeah. So tell us a wee bit about what you offer then as far as your riding goes and what people can expect to experience. Yeah. So, you know, we've, you know, we, we've been running mountain bike tours for a really long time. So, you know, we work closely with, you know, folks get in touch with us and try to figure out what kind of ride they want to do. And we, you know, pull together an itinerary for them. Whether it be kind of a one-off, one you know half-day ride, or someone wants to come in for a week and and fill kind of a, a week of riding here, we can pull all that together. So uh, typically, again, half or full-day rides strung together, you know, across however many days folks want to ride. And you know, I'd say you know, half-day rides about three hours of ride time, um, and then anything more than that, it's more of a full day. You know, five six hours of riding, you know, which would be like thirty to forty miles in the saddle. Uh, across the day and then um, we either if we're doing a multi-day ride there are a couple options to, to set up some kind of mobile camps around the area otherwise you know Brevard having such great access to this big network of trails it's really easy just hub out of Brevard which makes it really cool where you can come in kind of explode your stuff out and there's some pretty cool little hotels and um, explode your stuff out stay for three four five days and ride something new each day and virtually ride it from your your hotel so to speak and mm -hmm. so we'll come in and facilitate you know kind of if you need to ride in from the airport you know it seems like a lot of folks are kind of coming up regionally and driving up and again people feel you know pisgah can be a little daunting just because there is so much trail and you want to make sure you ride the best stuff and you want to make sure you ride in the right direction and how do you link the stuff together to where it makes sense um 
so people kind of come up and, you know, whether they bring their own bikes or, or not, um, you know, we'll set up lodging for them and either pick them up at their hotel and take people in, or, you know, we can meet at a trailhead and, and go out and, and ride. Mm, that's cool. So you can organize accommodation and everything like that. And- Absolutely. So, you know, we don't, we don't manage a fleet of bikes only because there are three bike shops here with, you know, any, anything you could ever want, you know, at your fingertips. And we have, mm-hmm. you know, agreements with those guys and, and go down and we can facilitate rentals and go pick them up and have them, you know, ready on, on, the, on the bus or have them at your hotel, kind of whatever you'd like. And then, you know, get out and, and do the guiding and do the riding. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And why would you, you know, why would you have your own bikes? It's just more headaches and, and that's right. else. And let the yeah. professionals handle that stuff, you know? That's right. And they keep them, you know, the shops here are super pro. They've got, you know, the mechanics are top notch. And those guys, you know, they, they lust over those bikes and they take good care of them. And, you know, again, you're going to get a 2000, well, you're going to get that year's latest model, you know, exactly what you thought you might want to ride. You ever wanted to test something, somebody, one of the shops here will have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can facilitate that, get you on that dream bike, get you out there, try a couple different bikes, you know, get out there and ride a couple different brands and, and see how they all, they all react. But yeah, it makes sense to have those guys. They already, they're invested in the bikes. They've got them. Uh, we just go pick them up and, and manage the guiding side of it. Yeah, that's cool. So you can really concentrate on getting your clients on the saddles and out riding and not have to worry about commuting and all this carry on and going and finding a bike and, and that's right that's yeah. right i mean we you know i want to make it as, as painless for for folks as possible so you know, if you have your own bike great if you don't have it you need to ride in we'll come grab you get you to the hotel get you set up get the bike for you you know i want focus people want people to just focus on doing the riding you know so you come in and you know you want to do three four good hard days of riding and uh, you know, can set that up and, and, and riding is not the only thing we can do. You know, we run shuttles for folks who may know what they want to do and they just, they want a couple big drops and, you know, it's hard sometimes wasting time, dropping cars and managing shuttles. You know, we got a, a trailer and racks and we can, you know, shuttle folks out to, to trailheads and get them up into the hills and that sort of thing and, uh, facilitate that. We can take people hiking you know, we focus on the riding as, you know, where our, our core, you know, that's where our hearts lie, but you know, if folks want to do take a day off or they got someone on their party who doesn't maybe want to, to, to ride, you know, we can get folks, you know, fly fishing and get folks on the river. You can kind of get folks doing any number of different activities. Wow. Cool. Cool. And, and what about the evening, uh, activities and. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, you know, there's, it, you know, we kind of got two different scenes here locally. So, you know, Brevard is again, kind of a smaller little town. And it's got, you know, four good, fun breweries that have popped up here. Uh, Asheville, which is 30 miles from us, is kind of the larger city. It's got a super vibrant restaurant scene and really good music scene. And they've got, you know, I think Asheville has been voted Beer Town USA for the past few years. Um, Any number of stuff happening there. And that's not too far away. Always good music up there. It's always kind of a... You know, it's like one of these Boulder, like Italian Boulder, Colorado, stuck here in the east. You know, it's just got any number of crowd-watching opportunities and, you know, cool little funky restaurants. And there's always something happening. Somebody drumming on the corner or doing something. It's just a cool spot. It's not too far away. You know, Brevard's a little smaller. It's a little quieter. But still, you know, it's got a lot going on here as well. And there's good restaurants. And it's like a quaint little, uh, you know, two-stoplight kind of town. 
mm-hmm. not a whole lot happening, but you know, good little restaurants and cool bars, and you know, again, a handful of breweries that are doing that are making really great beer and a good local music scene here too. Sounds amazing. It does really yeah. sound good. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's just it's one of these pockets here. It's almost like it's one of these unsung heroes. You know, it's undiscovered. And yeah, every time I'm here, I'm kind of looking out the window. I'm like, I don't understand how people haven't heard of this or what, what's going on. This you know, place is so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but therein lies the beauty. I mean, like you know, it is that way. It's so good because maybe people don't know about it as much. I don't know. You know, it, but it's uh, it's such a cool spot, and the riding here is fantastic, and the people are nice and. It's green. It's beautiful. Temperatures, you know, weather's great. Mm-hmm. And, and how can you can you ride there all year, or does it get too cold in the winter? No, you can you can ride year round. Um, you know, I think this past winter, yeah, we got at least here in Brevard, we got one big snow. We got maybe eighteen inches of, of snow here, and it stuck around for you know better part of a week, maybe you know nine days or something. But you know, hey, that's an opportunity for people to break out that fat bike they've got, right? <laughs> you got to think, you got to stuff the way all all winter long, or break those three O's out or whatever you've got. But yeah, you can ride uh, year round. Uh, Brevard, it, it's interesting. These mountains are actually in a temperate rainforest, so we get quite a bit of rain here. So folks just need to be prepared for that. Um, and, and it's just, it's it, yeah, rains a lot, you know, um, or it can. This year has been pretty dry, but um, so, you know, you try not to ride when it's, you know, when it's raining out, but, you know, get the trails a day or so to recover. But, yeah, you can ride your own. Yeah. Oh, that's happy days. That's always yeah. good. So have you been doing it there for a while, the North Carolina Mile, or is this something recent? Well, we've, you know, growing up, here and this is like i was saying you know this is a a part of the country that you know whenever i could when i could break away or have the ability to we would hop in the cars and get out here so i've been playing around in these woods and and riding here for you know the better part of you know 30 years or something like that uh we moved here we left guatemala in 2017 you know we were living permanently there and when we would come back we saw a family kind of you know in this area so whenever we come back we come up to the mountains and ride and that sort of thing but mm-hmm. we came back in 2017 with the idea of kind of being here being a little closer to family and and getting on the bikes and hoping to get something started here and we've just been kind of chipping away at it and building and and being here and riding and getting into the, the community a bit and that sort of thing Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So you, this is relatively a new thing for you, the the business. It side is. Of things here. Yep. Okay. Yeah, the business side of it is. You know, it's been. I've done some a bit of guiding here over the past couple of years, and then I've just decided that you know I wanted to to kind of build this into living our dream, which was the ability to live in in two spots and be here a bit. You know, when the riding's good here, be here, and you know, and then since Guatemala is such an established business for us, uh, on the mountain bike scene, you know, to be down there certain times of the year where the, the weather's good and the, the big itineraries are coming in and, and being able to ride in these two spots that, you know, offer such great riding. Mm, yeah. Sounds, sounds really good indeed. Um, so what kind of staff members do you have there? Have you taken on many staff or guides or, uh, yeah, right now, you know, I've got a handful of kind of, you know, most guys are, are freelance guides for me. Everybody's got kind of a, a day job of some sort. But, um, you know, depending on how many folks I need or how many riders I got out there, you know, I've got a couple guys that, that, that help out. And then we've got, you know, folks running running band support. Um, so don't, not too many full-time staff at the moment. But, you know, as we grow, that'll be, you know, obviously the, the way we'll go. But right now, you know, I'm pretty much – 
running the running the tours and then if i have need for more guides i've got you know again there's a, a deep well of folks that are here and folks that i've been riding with over the past you know a couple few years that i pull in the fold and, and they help out as well mm-hmm. yeah that's cool and i suppose the local guys there have got great knowledge of the trails and oh uh, yeah. yeah yeah i mean you have to around here, you know, and everybody's riding, you know, four or five days a week and you know, everybody's got, you know, great knowledge where they're going and, and, you know, all the guys that I work with all have, you know, first aid training and that sort of thing. And so, you know, it's, it's, there is such a good crew of folks here that, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to, to amass a team and, and, you know, almost pull a team together from, you know, from, from the ether, which is really cool. Mm, yeah yeah no sounds great and how's it been going so far have you had many clients or yeah it's been going pretty good you know we've just kind of started you know this year's been kind of our you know our, our past since since i guess january of this year has been when we've kind of you know kicked it off and yeah it's been going okay we've been you know definitely getting out there on the trails and getting folks in and starting to try to work with some some larger wholesalers and maybe some you know some uh tour groups from from abroad and bring folks in specifically to ride. Um, part of that is going to have to be, you know, raising some awareness about this area and, and mm-hmm. getting folks ginned up about wanting to come here. But we've been working really hard on that and trying to communicate with, you know, some other larger tour companies and that sort of thing to, to partner with and, and get itineraries sold for, for here. And then, you know, we've got a website and we're out there, you know, shaking the trees and, and talking with bike clubs, that sort of thing, just trying to get folks to come up here and ride. We've, you know, been, pretty good it's been it's been going well you're definitely getting out and getting folks on trails yeah cool cool and like do you feel do you feel that that whole area needs more media coverage for the quality of the trails there well I, you know i feel like we get you know, there's quite a bit of you know stuff going on i mean you know, bike magazine has run their bible of bike tests here out of brevard and yeah, you know, there's definitely folks. It people hear about it. You know, I think one of the large, the one of the, the issues that Brevard and this kind of part of the country uh, faces is that when people talk about coming out of, say, Ireland or the UK or you know Europe at large to, to the US to go ride, you've been force-fed Moab or Colorado or California and that sort of thing for so long. You know, and, and those are the big kind of like you know ideas people have about mountain, mountain biking states that it can be difficult to to convince folks like, hey, I know you got one shot at this, you got one shot maybe to come across the pond to go ride. I'm gonna tell you not to go to Colorado. I'm gonna tell you to come here. Sometimes that, that's a difficult sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, in, in that way, it would you know if we had a little bit more exposure, the more people that come here, they come back and they start singing the praises of of what's going on here. So it's just, you know, we got to get people riding here. We got to get, you know, some coverage, you know, and, and you know, I, I don't think, I think that, you know, the magazines have all picked up this area. All the magazines kind of know what's going on here. Um, and now it's just trying to get it out there a little bit more mainstream. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's difficult in a way because I know you don't want it to get too busy and get spoiled and everything else. Um, but obviously, to run a business, you need to attract people to come there. So, at the minute, do you think it's people just from other areas out around North Carolina there that are coming that are attracted to come down and ride some guided trails with you guys? No, you know, I mean, we certainly get a lot of regional folks. Again, folks coming up from Florida, folks coming in mm-hmm. from Tennessee, coming in from Georgia, North Carolina, uh, Virginia. You definitely get the the regional pool. You know, and it is maybe a little bit more on on their radar, you know, because it's mm-hmm. still kind of somewhat regional. But 
you definitely get a lot of folks who, you know, who I think people who ride and ride a lot, whether you live in Colorado, California, you know, Utah, kind of wherever you're, you are, if you ride quite a bit, at some point someone's talked to you about Pisgah and people hear about it and people, you know, people are talking about Western North Carolina. And so you definitely, we're definitely getting folks, you know, coming here from, from further across the U.S. I mean, there's a quite a large contingent of folks who live here who have moved here from Colorado, which is interesting. Um, you know, a lot of our friends are from Colorado, and, and in some ways it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Colorado is just so built up, and it's, you know, I-70 getting up into the hills can be such a, you know, a bear to get up into some of those riding areas mm-hmm. that, you know, living in Denver, you know, becomes, you know, becomes a little bit hard to, to get out and get into the, the, the you know, the backcountry, whereas, you know, right here in Brevard, I can literally get on my bike and, and ride out and be, you know, seemingly miles away and almost, you know, feel like you're in a different world. And it's really easy. We don't have any traffic. You know, there's no, it's just a super, you know, super close uh, to the mountains mm-hmm. kind of feel. So, you know, I think folks are coming from kind of all over to ride. And, you know, we just need more of that for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it sounds, it sounds lovely. And I suppose if you're, if you live in one of those areas that is super busy, lots of riders, lots of, difficulty getting to the trails and traffic and all. I suppose coming to somewhere like like Bavard would just be it would just be so nice, so oh, relaxed and just chill out. Absolutely. I mean again it's just, you know, the the access is so good. It's such a small, small town and like, you know, slow paced. It's just it, it makes it really easy, you know, and it, like you say, it makes it really comfortable. There's any number of you know, really nice little, you know, B and Bs and Airbnbs and cool lodging and and the, the riding is so close um, that it's just, it's super relaxing. You're not navigating, you know, crazy flights to get from here to there and renting cars or, you know, you're not having to navigate big city traffic or something like that. It's just, you know, it's really, really, really quite easy access. Sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, one of those places to add to that bucket list, right? Oh, no, not another one. <laughs> yeah, it's going to yeah. happen. Uh, yeah. So, what do you think the future holds there for mountain biking around your area in Bavard and Pesca? Oh man, I mean, we you know we get a ton of riders. I mean, the ridership here, I wish I had some some good stats on that, but uh, you know, uh, we get a, a lot of riders here. We get a lot of riding pressure, and that's growing, and growing. You know, and, and again, that's what we need. We need a, a bit of a kind of a carrying capacity to keep keep things moving. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it'll continue to grow. And again, the advocacy groups here are really really good. So I think you're going to see a lot, <clears throat> a lot of you know trails that have you know, all these trails are trails that got built back in kind of great depression time uh as a way to keep people working and obviously long before mountain bikes were ever developed and so mm-hmm. a lot of the trails were really steep and were never designed for mountain bike trail or you know for mountain bike travel and so a lot of this stuff's kind of getting reworked you know or make made more sustainable and new routes are being opened and um you know there's such a wealth of, of land here and landscape that uh i think you're going to continue to find the the trail is getting better and, you know, more, more access to, to trail and, uh, more people come in. And I think you're just going to find this, you know, that this place in particular is going to start kind of blowing up a little bit. Yeah. Sounds, sounds great. And it's really nice to get out there away from people too. You know what I mean? And do something. Yeah. yeah I can understand Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Classic. So, Matt, how can people get in contact with you regarding um, Epic Pisna, is it? Uh, Pisga. Pisga is the name of the fort, okay. yeah. So, yep. uh, so you can go to epicpisga.com.
epicpisga.com is the website. Uh, you can email us at epicpisga at gmail.com works as well. Uh, there are you know buttons on the website to you know that'll directly email email me as well, and we can help work with you and set up some itineraries and you know pour over maps with you and put together an itinerary and, and get you out there. It's really cool that you're doing that very um, you know tailored tailored thing. That that's really pretty cool. Yeah, you know, there's if you do a little research on on what's here, you're gonna end up coming up with a couple names of trails that you know you're gonna have seen a lot kind of reoccurringly pop up in, in, you know, whatever searches you're doing. And, you know, people kind of come and like, I want to ride this, I want to ride that. And again, it's just, it's not like you're coming, you're doing porcupine rim or, you know, there's so much trail here. It's like, okay, you want to go out for this long and this is the kind of ride you like to do. And this, you know, how long you want to be out and what your fitness or how, you know, what kind of, what kind of rider you feel like you are. And we try to, you know, pull in those highlight trails and, and loop together the, the must do's and then get you out on some of these other trails too, that you may not, that you may not know exist or out there that are, you know, every bit as good. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're always trying to work with folks to make sure that you get people on the right ride. And yeah, you know, after all, it's about, you know, having a good time and, <clears throat> and making sure folks are having fun. Sounds awesome, bud. Sounds awesome. It's, it just seems that you're doing a great thing there. And, um, again, you're doing what you're lo- you love, huh? That's right. Got to. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So you uh, you said you're off to Guatemala pretty soon, then? Yeah, I'm going down on Tuesday for a little while. You know, going to go down and and uh, and get back into the business there for a little while and, and ride some mountain bikes. And we got some stuff going on, some some tours coming in, and I want to be a part of. And so we're uh, we're going to go down for you know a couple months, and then I've got some folks here. I mean, I'll obviously be online and, and answering emails and setting up itineraries, but I've got you know guides on the on the ready to take out trips here as well so uh we'll be set up you know on, on both end, ends of the spectrum you know this will be the first year that we'll kind of be doing it where you know it's kind of high season we're kind of running the shoulder season right now i mean brevard in, in many ways is still you know really popular at this time of year mm-hmm. um and this would you know next year we would be here exactly right now um and then be in guatemala in the fall winter when the riding kind of you, know, you can ride year around here but most people aren't taking mountain bike holidays in the in the winter into the you know, north carolina mountains they're looking for a little slightly warmer warmer climb so that's when we would be you know in guatemala we're just trying to get things set up at this point but um yes yeah, so we're gonna be in guatemala for a couple months and then we'll be back here and be you know running running both spots sounds amazing mate. and i take it you're not driving to guatemala this time Oh no, I am. <laughs> you are. <laughs> oh, I am. Really? Yeah. How long does that take? It's going to be a week, week on the road. Really? Yeah. So yeah, we're going with a. You know, it's 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 a really good way to get a bike. I got a you know I got a, a quiver of bikes here personally that I want to have down there, and so we've got stuff going in for the for the shop there. So we're taking bikes down and all the fun stuff, surfboards, bikes, climbing gear, and all that stuff, all the pertinent stuff that you need to you know spend a spend a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you just travel down, you take it in a van, I, I would say, and then do you yep. sleep, sleep in the van or do you sleep? No, in- <laughs> no, this uh, this is a, I got a pickup truck, this go around, uh, we'll be taken down. But no, it'll be, you know, through the States, it's pretty easy. We'll probably stop in and, and ride, you know, a day or so here in the U.S. and then you hit uh, Mexico. And then it's three days through Mexico and stay in, stay in some hotels along the way. And then the last day in Guatemala. 
Wow, man. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a whopper of a of a drive. It's you know it's pretty fun and it's can be a little scatterbrained and harebrained at some points. Again, I think I said this last time, you know, just to drive through and certainly our first drive down there would be enough for a podcast in and of its own. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, we're we're driving down. Happy days. And how many years are going from there? Uh, it'll be. Well, my whole crew, my whole family crew is going down, and I've got uh, my guy who is currently managing uh, Old Town for me down there is actually up in the States at the moment. He's uh, getting ready to come into Brevard uh, tomorrow. We're going to ride a couple days, and then we're going to drive down together. Oh, cool. Is that Chris, is it? Is that- that's Chris, yeah. Chris, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Chris, All right. he's, that's it. Happy days, man, happy days. Well, you... you uh, you seem to have landed on your feet there, and I hope everything goes well with the North Carolina thing. And, yes. Um, it picks up, and it certainly sounds like you've got the area and the trail network there to do it with, so good luck. Yeah, we certainly do. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to be pushing hard to kind of get it off the ground and going. Yeah, yeah, it'll take a wee while. You know, it'll be, it'll take a bit of time, but you'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Again, the riding is good enough, and people are coming, so... Uh, it'll definitely happen. It's just about you know getting ourselves out there and making sure folks you know are coming this way. Yeah, cool, man, cool. Well, Matt, listen, thanks so much for coming back on and, and telling us uh, about North Carolina. I wanted to chat to you about that because the area and just doing searches online and stuff, the area seems pretty amazing. So it's uh, another great spot. It certainly is. Just goes to show you, there's great riding kind of all over the spot, all over the place. Uh, we've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to land in in two of those amazing spots. So we're pretty pretty excited about that. Yeah, cool, man, cool. All right, Matt, well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you uh, spending the time and, and chatting to me again. And um, good luck uh, getting down to Guatemala, and I hope everything goes well for you. I appreciate it. Cheers, bud. All right, man, take care. That's a wrap for episode 97, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. And Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great to get you on again. And, uh, yeah, I've already put that into my bucket list, so... Hopefully I'll see you in the near future in two different locations. (laughs) Now, folks, if you want to know more about Matt and the Pisgah Mountain Bike Adventure Company, you can go to the show notes at mtb-tribe.com. You will get uh, all the links there to Matt's adventures, and you can drop him an email or however you want to get in contact and find out a wee bit more about what he's offering there and uh, why you should definitely check it out. Now, if you want to help the show and support the show, the best way to do that is by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. So if you're doing that, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Now, if you're not on Apple, don't worry. You can find us and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify and Podbean. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete bike catalogue. Listen and download every show from there. It's all free, remember? And you can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick link and synopsis to listen to the show and who's going to be on the show and what to expect from that episode. Now, you can also get involved on social media. You can find us uh, on Facebook and Instagram at mtbtribe. And please take screenshots, share, do whatever you want to do on the old social medias and get the word out. Share it with a friend who you may think will like the episode or like the show. And um, let's get more people off the sofa and onto the saddles. That's the main aim of the podcast. And um, I know by you guys getting in contact and stuff that it's definitely working. So thanks so much. Now, if you want to get in contact with me directly, you can email me at 
info at mtb-tribe.com. I do read all the emails and I will get back to you. So until next week, folks, have a great week, have a great weekend, and I hope you get out on the bike and enjoy this summer sun.